Welcome back to another week of the Oklahoma Sports Bro podcast. This, guys, is a sad week. It is the end of college football season. Hmm. What are we going to do? I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know either. I feel like we're, we're the, the characters off of Fansville. They're just like, are, are we even going to exist? <laughs> we're just that in a little... still makes me laugh. Yeah, we're just in a little snow globe for the next eight months. Yeah, but yeah, it's all right. There's uh, still tons of news going on. Um, the final AP poll gets released. Ryan, where does OSU land? OSU ended number seven, which is, if you had told me that after the first two games, I would have been shocked because they did not look good. But yeah, they end up number seven. Uh just above Notre Dame, who they beat in the bowl game. Um, Baylor ended up five, so that's good for the for the Big 12. And then uh, your OU Sooners finished number 10. So both our, well, two of our three state teams finished in the top 10. Yeah, I, I think Tulsa, Tulsa probably finished right there at 26, you know. Yeah, they're receiving, vo- receiving votes, but didn't make it. Are oh. you serious? No. I was like, no way. <laughs> That's, I was like, they're the best seven and six team in the nation. <laughs> they probably are, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, but yeah, I don't they know. They have a fight this season. There are, I don't know. Iowa State went seven and six. Yeah, Tulsa's not better now. No, probably not. Probably, not. I don't know. But they did put up a good fight, you know. Tulsa did against against Ohio State. Well, it just you know they. They they got a bowl game. That's that's about as much as you can ask out of Tulsa right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really smart and they uh, extended Philip Montgomery for another two years. So that's right. Uh, well, um, national championship game live up to the hype for you guys. Oh yeah, that was a good game, and like till the very end when finally there was a pull away. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a, go ahead. It, it was. Um, I was kind of in and out in the first half, um, but I, I watched most of the first half. I turned off the game for the last five minutes of the half because um, Taylor got a flat tire, so um, that oh, was man. fun. Um, but um, but yeah, so I watched most of the first half. Pretty entertaining. I like defensive football, so it's pretty entertaining to me. I know a lot of people are calling it boring, but I thought it was fun. I like close games, and then second half kind of picked up, and um, the offenses started rolling there for a little bit, put up some points, and um, it got pretty close there. Honestly, when you if you would have told me Bryce um, Young had the ball, what is that sound? Somebody got like a fan on in the background or something. Um, I can't hear it, so I'm assuming it's me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in my hotel room, so does that fix it? Yeah. Okay. But if you would have told me that, that was me. Holy I was making the noise. <laughs> I was making the noise with my mouth. That's what it sounded like. 
That is. Exactly I was like, wait, it's no longer me. It was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So getting back on track, if you would have told me Bryce Young had the ball, um, three minutes left, down eight, um, I would have told you he scores nine times out of ten, and I think it was just the one time out of ten he just couldn't score. So, um, really entertaining game. I'm happy for Georgia. I know. On the podcast last week, I picked Alabama to win. Honestly, you give me those teams again, I'm still picking Alabama. Better quarterback, better coach. I'm always picking that. Um, but uh, I, I, I was actively cheering for Georgia throughout the whole game. So I, I'm happy that Georgia won. Um, it's nice to see a former two-star quarterback win the national title. So it's um, that's pretty cool. So – it, it was really entertaining for me. Uh, Ryan, I know you had some thoughts on it. What were you saying? Yeah, I was kind of like you. We both picked uh, Alabama to win the game in our picks, and Perk picked Georgia. So ah. good job, Perk. Yeah, um, yeah. Hard to beat the same team twice. That's true. Solid rule. But, uh, but just like you, Zach, I was rooting for Georgia to win just because I thought you know they were the best team in college football all season. I think everybody agreed to that until that SEC championship game. And, you know, Alabama had a few games here and there that were not good throughout the season. Uh, could have lost to Auburn and did lose to A&M. So uh, Georgia really showed that they were the best team throughout the whole season. So I'm glad the best team actually won the championship. And it was good to see, you know, Kirby Smart's a former, I guess, assistant of uh, Nick Saban. And you saw after the game, Nick Saban was just had a big smile on his face and was happy for for Kirby Smart. So that was really good to see. And yeah, I we talked about that last week. They have the better coach in Saban and we thought the better quarterback in Bryce uh Bryce Young over We Stetson didn't Bennett, it, but... we still know that he's the better quarterback. Yes. He is. I agree. <laughs> Obviously Georgia, I think Georgia's defense is just a little bit better than Alabama's and and that proved to be the case because you're going against the Heisman winner in Bryce Young and they really kept him in check, held him to field goals instead of touchdowns. And um, they the the interesting thing for me is I thought that he would be able to run a little bit more, and he Georgia really kept him from doing that and forced him to throw. He did throw for like 369 or something, so threw for a lot of yards. But, uh, yeah, Georgia's defense came to play and eventually made the game-winning interception. That Also, it's pretty funny if you watch the, the little replay, they're showing Kirby Smart when he makes that interception, they're up eight. So basically he just has to go down and they can kneel the game or kneel the ball to win the game. But he keeps telling the guy to get down, get down, get down. And the the guy just keeps running because uh, he wanted the touchdown. So that was pretty funny. But, um, but yeah, entertaining game. Uh, I think that's what we all expected. And it really came down to that final drive for uh, Alabama. Um, so it's a little closer than the 15 point score. I guess it ended up being. Um, but a good way to end the season, and you know, I guess they'll be probably the top two teams going into next year. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that was a really cool moment there. You're speaking on between uh, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban there, um, down there at the end of the game, it was really cool to see. Um, it, whenever you think of Nick Saban, you don't like you think kind of like a robot, not not human. And uh, to see that just human side, him being proud of basically a protege of his um, and a longtime assistant. So 
it, it's really cool to see that and really cool to um, just see that human side. And then you also got to see another human side um, from Nick Saban after the game um, in the press conference when he was basically saying – these guys, we wouldn't have been here without these two guys talking about Bryce Young and Will Anderson, um, and it was it was just a really cool moment. Um, and those those are the things that you don't often get to see from coaches. And it, I just thought it was really special um, that he was able to express his appreciation out there in front of everybody because a lot of times they don't get that. So, right. It was a really – I was going to ask you guys if you saw it because it was a really cool moment because, you know, they were getting up to leave, and he was like, no, can I say something? And he made them sit back down just so he could praise them in national television. And so I thought that was, you know, that was really cool. Uh, both teams, though, uh, I mean, because we obviously have the amazing story from Stinson Bennett. Um uh, and, you know, his incredible story, which I wanted to ask you guys, if they make that a movie, would you go see it? No. Oh, I, I probably would because it's a sports movie at that point. Um, so, <laughs> yes, but it's not like there's there's not a storyline there. Like. If yes, someone dies, it, there will be. Yes, he's a two star walk on or former walk on that went Juco that came back. Um, and got offered a scholarship. So I don't know why they're still calling him a walk-on after he, he got offered to come back. So, But I, I get it. At first, he walked on. Um, but the fact that ev- basically everybody else on that team is a four- or five-star player, like he's surrounded with just enormous talent. His defense carried him most of that season. And, yes, he had a great championship game. But I like it, it was the two teams with the two recruiting classes that were the highest rated. Like, that is why you want to get four and five stars. I get that Stetson Bennett is an anomaly, but and it's nice to see somebody with heart win that. Um, and it's just a great storyline. But I like if you're a movie producer, you're you're picking it up and you're like, so you're telling me two teams with um, what is that? Forty-five five stars between the two um, got some national title game. No thanks. <laughs> I, I I just don't see anybody picking it up. If they make it a movie, I'd watch it because it's sports related. And but um, I make a good TV show, uh, no. like a lighthearted TV show, couple seasons, you know. <laughs> maybe like if you're just following Stetson Bennett, maybe. But the entire Georgia team, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh but you know, looking back at the game, uh it was a a purely defensive like win in my opinion. It I mean there's with Georgia's defense doesn't show up like they did, especially in the late second half. You know, we could be talking about a different outcome right now, but that inter- that late game interception, uh, just to seal a deal and stop any hope. I mean, it's you can't beat that. It's it's cinematic almost. You know, so incredible game. Great game. No. Yeah, and that that's what you want from your national championship game. A lot of times, you get to that national title game, and it just doesn't live up to the hype. And this one was closed for 
three and a half quarters. Honestly, three and basically all of the fourth quarter besides that went after he threw the interception. Like, mm-hmm. And yep. even then, like, I guarantee you everybody's like, I'm not turning off the TV because maybe Alabama's going to pull this rabbit out of the hat again. You know, you sent that text, too, because I, I text you guys and I said – you can never beat the same team twice. And you were like, I don't know. Alabama has 40 seconds. <laughs> and uh, when they started marching down the field, I was like, no freaking way. They were taking 20 yard chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like if they, if they had scored a touchdown, it was in the realm of possibility because then if they get the onside, who knows what would have happened? I was, I was, I was, I'll admit, I'll start, I'll start to think about biting my nails if they had gotten any closer than they did. So, but no, it was fun game to end the season. Um, and it's, it's such a different experience watching a game when you really like, you're not invested like you are when your team's playing. Like, yeah, I was cheering for Georgia, but if Georgia lost, I wasn't going to be upset. Right. So it's just so much different watching the game you love whenever it's just no pressure. Um, it's not your team, and it's just two great teams just battling it out. Yeah, yeah. And we get, you know, when bowl season starts, you kind of get that because you're like, yeah, I have no, you know, real uh, side here. I just want to watch a good football game. But most of those bowl games are not good football games, so it's good to see. And really, the first two playoff games were not good bowl games, so it's good to have a good kind of send off for the year to have a really good game with two teams who played their hearts out and. uh Congrats to the Bulldogs for winning it all. Now, question for you guys. Next year, could we be looking at a bigger playoff, or is that still a couple years out? No, I think it's next year. Um, we, they, did they confirm the numbers? Eight, six? Not confirmed, but no. asked what we think. It's, um, But they were in discussions. All of the um athletic directors or maybe not athletic directors um conference commissioners that's what they are were in discussion during this week um about moving to a 12 team playoff um good good basically i think the pack i think it was the pack 12 commissioner came out and was like um i don't understand what the holdup is um so i i really think it will be next year if not it will it is coming like soon it is like on the horizon so that's really uh, exciting and yeah the the uh sec i guess were the ones most against it because look they had two of the four teams in the playoff this year and they both made the uh, championship game so it's like the pac-12 who could have had oregon and utah possibly both in the if it was a 12 team um, playoff they're obviously in i think the big 12s in the big 10 really everybody except the sec because the sec has just been kind of dominating it so i think all the other conferences are on board and it's just kind of a matter of getting everybody else uh in the sec on board and making it official but it's, but yeah i don't know it's it's better that way too like if you have 12 teams you're offering more opportunity for these teams than than for it to just be politics on namesakes that sometimes the top four tend to be. And I, so I think, I don't know why we haven't been doing a, a normal bracket in the first place. It doesn't make sense to me. See, like if you, my, my biggest argument with the four team playoffs 
is if you look at it, you look at every, literally every other level of football, there's a playoff, and it's bigger than four teams. Right. You look at high school, most brackets are 16, 32, maybe even 64 teams. You go up to um, NCAA Division II, you got 16 teams. You go up to FCS, you got 16 teams. Maybe, maybe even 32 at FCS level. Um, you go up to NFL, you got, what is it, 14 teams. So yeah. it's like it's there, and I just don't understand why, like, why the NCAA is failing on this aspect of it. Right. They could and and like I don't understand it because they could make this a cash cow. Oh like, yeah. So I I know some optics are weird about it. Like you would have to play maybe the quarterfinals would have to be those New Year's six bowls or whatever. And I, I get there's some optics, but if you're gonna make that much money and it's going to bring that much enjoyment to the fans. And all, every like all of the players want it besides maybe the teams like Georgia and Alabama that are making the playoffs anyways. Um, like if all the players want it, like if everybody wants it, why not? Why not go through those hurdles? You're going to exactly. make a lot more money. You're going to make everybody happy. But it just it just doesn't make sense to me. No, and there's also I, there's also talk about like if you do that, that first round can actually be the top seeds can play at home, which brings just could you imagine an actual playoff football game at a college campus? It would be absurd. Yeah, like it'd be incredible. I can't imagine how much tickets would be it no. two three hundred dollars for the top row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's good for and the stands will still be involved. full. Yeah, yeah, that'd be incredible. Everyone involved, and then yeah, you know, a lot of these bowl games are, you know, on the other side of the country from the teams playing. So you get some fans travel, but you get a lot of half-empty stadiums, and it's just kind of weird. So I end up going to OU here in the next few months because I might end up going there for grad school. I'll have you know discount tickets, and we can all enjoy ourselves when we go to their playoff game. Ooh, Um, yeah. So you know, I don't know if they'd be that discounted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I'll charm my way through. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's gonna work. But <laughs> you doubt me. <laughs> you're the you're the one unmarried man on the podcast, so not sure your charm's working that great. Hey, business charm, not not the other one. All right, business well, charm. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I like I think it would be great. Um, I I like the twelve team format. I I myself I think why not just go sixteen, make it an actual bracket, um, play it. Then we might see Tulsa make it to the playoffs. Um, yeah, you're dreaming. At number sixteen, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe back in their Bill Blankenship days, but not not under Montgomery. But. Um, no, like I, I don't know. I that's that's the topic. I like it. Just it just doesn't make sense. There's so many positives all the way around. I think there's part of it. Maybe ESPN doesn't want to split games with Fox because you know if it's 
that big of a production, they're going to have to split games with Fox. Yeah. <clears throat> so maybe they don't want to lose money. I I don't know. That it seems easy enough or maybe not easy enough, but beneficial enough to work through these problems. But I I don't make the big bucks like these guys do. So maybe I'm just um, not understanding some of the problems. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about that goes into it. But just on the surface, it feels like it's good for everybody and they should do something. At least eight teams because... You know, then you at least get all the conference champions in, and yeah, everybody I, has a chance. Team bracket, I I I like eight or sixteen. I don't really twelve is not my favorite, um, be, just because it's odd. Some teams are getting a buy, but yep. I I don't know if that's what needs to happen to make this happen. Then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. So, Same. Um, yeah, I I think it's something that needs to happen. Just it gives more teams the opportunity, you know? And so, like, I would have loved to have seen Oklahoma play, OU play more than what we got because of what had happened and, like, how that affected their season. And, and so... At the end of the season, you would you would have more meaningful games and you wouldn't have players all opting out. Exactly. So, then that, that solves leaving. what we debated last week. That's, that's, you know, that fixes some of that issue, too. And if it, at that point, like if a player opts out of a bowl game that didn't make the playoffs, if it's sixteen teams, I'm out there like, okay, it makes it makes sense. Like you're in a bowl game that literally doesn't matter. Right. So I I don't know. It solves a lot of issues, but they just like the NCAA does. They sometimes just drop the ball. But well, it's all politics. I mean, it, I, I bet you it is as simple as we're making it out. But then it it all breaks down to the the politics of who wants more of what, you know, what big company has a say in what that we don't know about, you know, what big cats don't you know, are are up to lose money because of the, you know stuff like that. It's all politics. Yeah. So it's all politics. Well, that was uh, a lot longer intro than what we were aiming for, but. That's all right. Um, not sure we have a whole lot to talk about otherwise. So um, we'll get into um, just OU, some updates on OU. A um, lot of rumors swirling around in the transfer portal right now. Um, they, in the next four to five days, it said OU's going to basically either make or break it um, for next year in the transfer portal. They have guys interested like Drew Sanders, which was who's a former five star who was at Alabama. Um, there's a couple tight ends, one from USC, one from uh, Alabama. I think it's Jamar Billingsley from Alabama. Um, it's Billingsley. I don't remember his first name. It might not be Jamar, maybe Jalil. Um, but uh, Billingsley from Alabama. And then there's just a lot of rumors um, circulating about some different guys. Um, that may be um, <clears throat> coming in. So it, exciting. Um, would love to see OU land some of these guys and um, see them be really competitive next year. OU also finishes out their 
um, coaching staff with um, Alabama's cornerbacks coach. And that is uh, Jay Vali. Um, he was the cornerbacks coach at Alabama. He will be coaching cornerbacks at OU and be a co-defensive coordinator. It's kind of weird. Um, OU has two co-defensive coordinators and then an actual defensive coordinator. And I know it's probably just because they have to pay or they have to be able to justify paying somebody so much money. So um, I'm sure that's kind of what it's about, but that's um, kind of where we're at. Um, other than that, you got Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator, Ted Roof, um, defensive coordinator, uh, Jay Bly, cornerbacks. Um, I just forgot the other guy's name. Holy moly. I'm forgetting the other guy on the defensive side of the ball. You got Miguel Chavez on the defensive line. Um, I think he's defensive end coach. And um, I'm forgetting the defensive line coach. Um, Todd Bates, that's who it was. Um, and then you got a couple – or on the offensive, offensive side of the ball, you got a, a bunch of staff retained. Like, Kale Gundy will stay as wide receivers coach. Um you got Joe John Finley, tight ends, H-backs, and um, DeMarco Murray as running backs coach. So um, that's kind of all of your staff. I may be forgetting one guy in there. Um, but uh, and that's kind of your OU staff for this next year. So you would expect them to land some guys out of transfer portal in the next four to five days. Honestly – Transfer portal is probably going to wrap up for most teams the next four to five days because colleges are starting that next semester of classes. Um, most of them are in the next week or so. So you'd expect a lot of these guys starting to pick up their commitments and um, enrolling at these places. So should see a lot of news coming from the transfer portal um, in not too um, long of time. Ryan, what's going on sure. with OSU? With OSU, Ooh, there's not a ton. Hold up one sec. Okay. Um, one other guy, um, OU does lose a defensive back from uh, – or loses a defensive back to the transfer portal, which Rel McCutcheon is leaving OU. Um, and from what I've heard, it's basically because the new cornerbacks coach that they hired did not recruit him out of high school. So – kind of a catch-22 there, but you'd rather have the elite coach that's going to be there for a long time than the one recruit that's going to be there for three years top. So, You yeah. know, this might be a hot take, but I really hope that the coaching situation, I hope nothing happens. There's just no no emotional distressing for like at least a couple of years <laughs> on OU's side. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, you'll see like – Lebby will probably get hired head coach somewhere, and um, that that there'll be some movement in the assistant coaches, but if you won't see what happened happen again, like that, that's a once in a lifetime type of thing. So, mm. um, but with that being said, Ryan, turn it over to you for OSU. What's going on over at OSU? So the only transfer portal news is Gabe Lemons, who's a 
cornerback, uh, entered the transfer portal. He's been with OSU since 2018, and he really didn't get very much playing time. And I think going into this next year, he was probably the sixth or seventh uh, cornerback on the depth chart. So he, you know, obviously had a chance with a lot of guys leaving to to maybe make a name for himself. But um, there's just so many cornerbacks above him that I think he's probably going to just look somewhere he can play. Um, that's the only guy that entered the portal over the past week, and they haven't really had any uh, transfers come in. Um, there have been a few announcements that uh, some guys are going to the NFL that we kind of assumed, but they made it official. So over the past week, we had Colby Harville Peel and Trey Sterling starting safeties, uh, both declare for the draft. Also had uh, Jalen Warren and LD Brown uh, officially make that choice as well. Um, so two, two starting safeties who were, uh, basically all Americans and then Jalen Warren, Warren and LD, LD Brown, who LD Brown's been here for five years. And it's just, you know, if he's going to be able to play in the NFL, he's really got to go now. Cause he's already, I think 24, 23 or 24. So, you know, he's already getting up there in age and it's got to get up there. And, um, those aren't the running backs aren't, aren't the biggest losses. Cause if, if you remember the, uh, recruiting national signing day episode, you know, we have, two high four-star running backs coming in and then we still have um dominic richardson on the on the roster and even uh, Jaden nixon so there's there's a lot of guys that are going to be able to fill that role on uh on the offense but the the losses of harvell peel and trey sterling really hurt in combination with losing tanner McAllister, who was in line to start uh for one of them this coming year who transferred to ohio state so the uh, the safety position is definitely one that we need to look for, um, potentially adding someone through the portal um, just for some depth there. They do still have Jason Taylor uh, coming back. I think he's going to be a senior this next year. So um, he's going to be probably who they look to to kind of lead that secondary and then um, still have you know good corners coming back. So um, just kind of need to shore up the rest of that safety room and and then really today uh, was kind of a shocking thing that I saw is Israel Antwine, his defensive lineman uh, entered or declared for the uh, NFL draft. And he was a junior this year. Um, he's a guy, I think he's from somewhere around Oklahoma city and he's been really good. Um, don't get me wrong, but he didn't really jump off to me as a guy who would leave early for the draft. You know, I thought maybe if he came back as a senior and got to, got to be a starter and um, for one more year, he could make a name for himself. But, um, you know, obviously he trusts himself. He, he may have got a good uh, draft grade and uh, just thinks he's got a shot. So uh, best of luck to him and all the guys who are, who are going on from this special team um, from 2021. And, you know, we'll see if Gundy can uh, fill those holes. And it's also kind of weird. We thought, by now he'd he would have named a uh, defensive coordinator and he hasn't so um i'm sure he's still doing all his research and looking and uh, he needs to make that decision soon because they're you know spring ball i don't think they've started yet but um it's coming up so they definitely want to get a defensive guy uh in there and let him start 
either recreating what Jim Knowles did or starting his own system and, and getting players to uh, start studying. So um, that's about it on OSU's front. Um, you know, excited for next year, but also nervous um, to see if there's a big drop off from the defense. We don't really know yet. Um, Spencer coming back for a senior year, though, so hopefully he can uh, just keep developing and, and getting better. Um, and then we had uh, in Tulsa news, there was just one one transfer that came in, actually, is a guy named Isaiah Epps, who, uh, if any listeners think that sounds familiar, it's he actually played at Jinx High School. and uh, he's uh, He went to Kentucky and has been there for four years, but didn't really get a lot of playing time. He had a total of 31 catches for 365 yards over four seasons. So didn't really get to play much there, uh, but he graduated and is grad transferring to Tulsa. So it'd be cool to have him kind of back in state playing for the hurricane. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, saw that transfer coming in and it's always cool just to see guys come home. Um, over under on wins or not over under, I guess what, how many wins do you think is a uh, expected of OSU next year? OSU, um, are you talking about me or like national people expecting like Vegas oh, odds and just, stuff? Just you. What What do you expect out of this team next year? I it's weird because I always try to expect the worst. Um, I, I try not to get too high because then I get disappointed. But at this point right now, obviously there's still a lot of stuff that um, we need to find out what happens as far as transfers and coaches and stuff. But sitting here tonight, January 12th, I would say, I would say 10 wins in the regular season and a spot in the big 12 championship is what I would predict for them. Um, I always predict us to lose to OU, so I'll say that, especially playing in Norman this year. Um, and then either, you know, we could lose to Baylor, but we could also lose just kind of a weird, you know, game throughout the year that we shouldn't lose. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to say 10 and 2, uh, Big 12 championship, and then we'll probably lose that as well. But then, you know, make a decent bowl game, probably like the Alamo Bowl, like OU made this year. Yeah. Okay. I like that answer. Um, what about Tulsa? You think any any real upside to Tulsa? I know Davis Brin's returning. Do they? Oh. like, are they going to be better, worse, about the I'm, same? I'd put Tulsa at a six win, a, a, a six win next year, and I'm going to hope for an eight. That's fair. Um, I, a I'm six, but sh- hope for eight. I believe uh, Shamari Brooks is gone. Um, I think it's Josh. A hard loss. Yeah, I think Josh Johnson's gone as well. And you know, they had. I also saw that they had um, in the American Athletic Conference that they play in. They're the only team to have two uh, to have a rusher and receiver in the top three of the conference. I saw that earlier today. Shamari and Josh Johnson. So. A uh, couple of big uh, weapons they're going to be losing. Um, I haven't seen a ton of guys 
transferring out. Um, so I think I think it'll probably be an improvement from this year. I would guess. I I'm going to predict without looking at their schedule. Uh, I'm going to predict they probably go seven and five. Okay, that's pretty solid. Yeah, looking at um, OU next year, and I've gone back and forth on OU, um, just just basically because there's a whole bunch of unknowns. If they land the guys they expect to out of the portal, I, I think we're looking at a 10-11 win team that's going to be a Big 12 champion um, and be close to a playoff. I don't think that um, they're not going to be a national – I don't think they'll I, – I don't know. I Right now, my gut's telling me they're not going to be national title contenders, but they'll be right on that edge. And if they expand the playoffs, I think they would make it. Um, but um, it just depends on how quickly Venables is able to implement his system and get them playing defense to that level. So, uh, And it also depends on a, the, a lot of the transfers and who ends up where. Um, I don't by any means think Caleb Williams is coming back, but if Caleb Williams coming, comes back, then I may change my whole mind and think that we're going 13 and zero right to the national championship game. So it just, there's a lot of unknowns with OU right now. Um, I could see them going anywhere from a nine win team all the way up to a national championship team. If all the things fell the right way. So it's, Exciting though, so because normally you know these past few years, OU there's always that expectation. You kind of knew what the coaching style was. You kind of knew what the play style. We're going into a, like a, a brand new unknown year with OU, and so that's it's really exciting as as a fan of the team because uh, that unknown, you know that that very first game is gonna be gonna be so exciting. How are they going to play? What's the what's the scheme? Will they run more of this or that? Or, you know, it's. I think I'm. I'm that's what I'm looking forward to most. I can tell you how they're going to play. They're going to throttle their opponent because they play UTEP. But <laughs> I I understand the sentiment. I you also, get what I'm saying. <laughs> I also said that we were going to beat Tulane this year by seventy. So it's um I could mm. be wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Didn't have our 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 friend out uh, in the Cali. You know he's not coaching anymore, so you know that may not be a mistake that happens again. So maybe soft defense. Maybe not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. We we didn't really talk about that yet. As far as Caleb Williams, Um, there's not really a ton to say yet. But just for kind of a recap of what happened this weekend, is Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. Uh, both, I think, were said to have visits at USC over the weekend, and they uh, they were at the LA Rams game on Sunday. And Sunday night, there was just a ton of Twitter rumors that Caleb was going to commit as early as Monday. And Jackson Dart, USC's quarterback from last year, entered the transfer portal on Monday. So that was an even bigger sign that sounds like this is happening. But they, here we are three days later, and nothing's come out yet. So... Kind of a weird situation right now with Caleb. Yeah. Um, I, and all of this is rumors and hearsay, so I don't really want to – like 
Like, I'm not reporting this as fact, but there's a lot of things saying maybe Caleb uh, Caleb took a visit to UCLA while he was there. Um, I've also heard that Mario Williams took a visit to Texas, which if you want to become Whoa. one of the most hated transfers <laughs> of all time, go to our rival. I promise <clears throat> fans won't ever forgive you for that. So, but um, – there, there's just so much out there. You got to clear through the weeds and look for actual factual information and trust the sources that are putting it out. So um, right now we just really like, there's no clarity. There's no, nobody's, everybody was certain on Sunday where he was going. And now it's just kind of like, if he was going there, why hasn't it happened? So kind of yeah. just question uh, but if you look at all his other options, the only one that really makes sense is OU because at Georgia, you're not going to replace a national title winning quarterback, are you? Not probably not immediately. See, I, I made the argument um, uh, with some of my coworkers this week. Like, I was like, if Caleb Williams transfers to Georgia, he's starting. Like, not a doubt in my mind. Game one, he's the starter. He wins the job. And they were like, no, he just won a national title. There's no chance. So, I like, what do you guys think? If Caleb Williams goes to Georgia, is he starting over Stetson? I don't think he starts the first game. But I think he'd start game two. Yeah, I don't know. Because, so JT Daniels was the starter over Stetson Bennett. And then... He just got hurt and has been hurt, and I don't. I think he became healthy over the course of the season, but Stetson was playing so well they just didn't want to mess with it, or he was still, you know, hurt and they just didn't feel like playing him. But I mean, at some point, I guess it would depend on how well Caleb practiced. But at some point, you're at a, you're at a point where if Stetson keeps winning, why rock the boat? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I My thing is, you just got to start the most talented guy. And in no way do I think Caleb is going to Georgia. That wouldn't make any sense at all. But no. that, it's just a well, question that was posed this week. And those were my thoughts. I just wanted to f- see what you guys were thinking about it. Well, I'm going to go off what you just said real quick because I'm not sure I agree. You said play the most talented guy. I'll always play the most talented guy. If Stetson Bennett has significantly better rapport with his teammates, I would start Stetson Bennett even if Caleb Williams was better. Well, just because that, that, that your goes, teammates will play better for you. That goes into a full like then you're not taking into the full aspect of talent. Like I'm and when I'm speaking of talent, who's gonna give the team the better chance to win is what I'm like saying. Who has the better chance to give this team to win? And if that takes into account rapport and how you interact with your teammates. So I, I feel like um, – So you're including that in your analysis of talent is yeah. the rapport. Gotcha. Because you okay. have to be able to interact with your teammates to play well. You, saw you have to be able to hype them up. You have yeah, to be able to motivate them. You saw it this year with Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. So – Yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, we talked about how Caleb Williams was so much different from Spencer Rattler. Because he hyped up the teammates, because he was a dynamic person on the sidelines, even when they were on defense. Yeah. 
So I like, and that's there's there's going to be a lot of speculation until he actually pulls the trigger wherever he's going. I don't suspect he's coming back to OU. If you had, if you put a gun to my head and told me to pick right now, I'd probably say USC. Um, just just off of feeling, but really, there's there's not a whole lot pointing. Um, it's gotten really quiet. Um, so maybe it's just the calm before the storm. Who knows? It, he's probably the one of the biggest transfers. Um, he is the biggest transfer this year, I would say. And he's probably one of the biggest transfers in the last five to ten years. Only one that really comes to mind that may be better is Kyler Murray. And I'm not even sure he's the last five to ten years now. I'm getting old. So, but um, I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of this um, pretty in-depth. Anything else you guys want to throw in here? Um, I did want to mention just some OU news. Creed Humphrey made all pro as a rookie for the Chiefs. That just doesn't happen very often. So I wanted to wasn't he rated as the best center in the league? Yeah, by PSA. I think so. Yeah. So good on you, Creed. Proud of you. And and he's such a good guy and he's an Oklahoma guy. Uh like that that's just really good. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome to see. So really good from Creed. Um guess we'll go ahead and move on towards basketball this week. Um, kind of shocking that OU's left out of the top 25, yeah. but the way they played against Texas kind of justified the thought, but Texas is also a good team. I, I don't know. I On OU, I'm not sure like what to say. Um, they've had some really big wins. Um and it's uh, they they look like. W- let me say this: when their defense is playing really well, then they're a top fifteen team in the nation. But if their defense isn't playing the up to the standard that they need, then they're probably not. So that's that's kind of how I'm feeling at this point. Um, and as far. As OSU goes, they pick up a big win over the weekend. And then who did they play yesterday? Yesterday, uh, West Virginia. And how did that one go? They lost uh, by 10, 70 to 60. Yeah. So what's your opinion on our two big in-state schools? I think OU is a really good team. Obviously, you're going to have – um, you know, you can't play your best game every game. And on on Saturday, we had a big day in Oklahoma as Iowa State came into OU ranked number 11. OSU, OSU played Texas in Stillwater ranked number 14. And both teams came out with uh, – they both won by 13. Um, so they didn't just win, but they, they really um, – they won convincingly. And – Oh, I really thought pretty... you were about to set yourself up for a 29 joke. Oh my gosh. No. Can't find they both won 29. by 29? 29? 13 plus 13 plus 3 is 29. 
I think you're reaching it. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna do it. It was it was all pert. Uh, do it. Um, but yeah, Mojo Gibson led them with 20 points against Iowa State. Tanner Groves at 16, and and Harkless hit some big shots. Ended up with 13 points. And really, down the stretch there, they just bullied Iowa State and got to the basket with ease. They had a lot of layups um, in the second half that are easy shots, and that can really uh, break a team's spirit like they did against Iowa State. And then, yeah, last night against Texas was kind of the opposite. I mean, they they really didn't have a chance in that game. They were down – they got down by double digits early and never really could make a run to get back into it. Um, Elijah Harkless, who was great in the Iowa State game, hit a lot of big shots, including a few threes. He was 3 of 12 – against Texas and 0 of 5 from 3. And OU as a team shot 1 of 13 from 3. So uh, that's going to happen. Um, you know, it's that's a blip on the radar instead of a, a normal thing. So not too worried about that. Like you said, their, their defense at times can be really good because they're really strong and they're really – they've got a lot of really big guys who can who can guard multiple positions and just rough guys up. So if, if their defense is playing well – They've got a chance to win some games in this league, which we can talk about it. But the Big 12 is just a gauntlet of, I think, eight teams are have at least 10 wins. And you're not going to find that really anywhere else in the in the country. So it's it's just tough every uh, every game. But but yeah, OU uh, is 12 and four right now. With the talent on all the 10 squads in the Big 12, all 10 could make the tournament. I know OSU can't because of the the ban, but I, honestly, I think it's a different season for OSU if they don't get that ban. That's possible. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell if that plays a part or not. You, f- you kind of feel like it does because they have a ton of really talented guys on this roster that um, just for whatever reason haven't put it together. And, you know, part of that could be that they're just kind of not giving it everything. I mean, they play hard, so I'm, I don't want to say that they're not giving it their all, but that's got to play in the back of their minds that, you know, come the end of the conference, they don't even get to play in the Big 12 tournament. That's how stupid it is. So, um, but yeah, and so um, Texas, or sorry, OU goes uh, at TCU on Saturday. So that's a, that's a winnable game, I think. TCU is one of the, I mean, they're still, good i think they're like 10 and 3 or 10 and 2 um but then you have uh number 9 Kansas uh in Norman next week so should be able to beat TCU and then you've got a chance to upset uh number 9 Kansas at home so big week here for OU to kind of get back on track um OSU we talked about they beat they beat Texas on Saturday 74-63 um, Keelan Boone was just a, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Keelan Boone was incredible in this game. I had 17 points, which was a career high. And he made a lot of, a uh, lot of big shots down the stretch by Bryce Thompson made clutch shots. Bryce Williams made clutch plays really made some shots, but also some rebounds and steals down the stretch that really, um, helped OSU pull away from Texas and it was back and forth till about three minutes left. There's three, three minutes and 15 seconds left. OSU was up 52 to 50. And then from that point on 
OSU outscored Texas 14 to two to end the game. And that run included two dagger threes by Keelan Boone. So uh, really good game. I was yelling in my living room um, when that happened. And then they followed that up with a road game at West Virginia last night. And uh, it kind of, kind of played out a lot like OU in Texas. They got down early. Um, they did keep it pretty close, um, kept it within, I think, seven or so um, there in the second half, but but just couldn't pull it off. And uh, they went pretty bad from the field. They've been they've been shooting really bad lately. And Avery Anderson specifically, he's he's kind of the guy that they went to when Cade Cunningham was out last year. Um, he's the the top scorer, and he's really actually played well the last. I think he's 18 points a game the last five games, so he's really come on strong. But this game just went cold, three of 13 and 0 of five from three, and they really need him to be kind of that go-to guy uh, to have a good season this year. So hopefully he can kind of turn it around. Uh, just had a bad game. Um, Bryce Thompson's. I don't want to say he's disappointed, but I kind of expected more. Uh, from him than we've seen so far so I'm hoping kind of in these big conference games that he starts to make a bigger impact and um, you get those two guys going they're both you know those guys who can get a bucket at any point so if they can kind of get going and get on track we could see some some big upsets Um, they OSU's in the middle of a rough rough week they had a game against Texas Tech a couple weeks ago that got canceled because of COVID so it got rescheduled for tomorrow so basically, they went at West Virginia last night, and then tomorrow they're at Texas Tech, who they're number nineteen, but they just beat Baylor and Kansas back to back. So clearly, they're uh, a really good team. Baylor's been number one in the country and was fifteen and zero till that loss, and then uh, OSU uh, two days after they play Texas Tech, they play at number one Baylor. So three straight road games in five days this week. Um, and they're against some of the best teams in the country. So uh, West Virginia was the one I thought they could win, and they lost that. So not a good sign for these next few days. Um, but who knows? They could surprise us and, and come up with a win. Um, and then next we got Tulsa, who Tulsa just played uh, tonight um, against Temple, and they lost – 70 or sorry 69 to 66 just lost by three um they also lost uh by three to smu last week and then by five to or sorry by five to smu and then by three to uh somebody else i can't remember who um sorry to memphis so their last three games they've lost by a total of 11 points and they're zero and three in conference play but all three of those games Seemed like they were winnable, um, pretty close. So they're at least competing, but and those, not, those, uh, those aren't slouches. The AAC is good. No. And you got Memphis, which is a, probably a tournament team, and SMU, which, given the year, is the tournament team on and off. So, yeah. And then, uh, but they've lost those three straight. And then it doesn't get easier because they play number 11, Houston, on Saturday. Um, is in Tulsa, so maybe they can get a home upset there. But they're six and eight and zero and three in conference, so they're going to need to kind of turn things around to, um, you know, to kind of make it a good season. And 
ORU's 11 and 6. On the other hand, they've been playing very well. Um, they have won. Excuse me. They have won four straight. Uh, they they actually just um, beat Western Illinois by one on Saturday. So just barely snuck that out. But um, Asmus has been just going scorched earth. He had 38 against, uh, what was it, St. Thomas, I believe, in Minnesota, and then had 32 against Western Illinois. Um, so he's obviously playing as well as he did last year that we all thought he would be. And uh, they've got a game against Kansas City on Saturday. Um, that's the only game they have this coming week. So um, see if they can keep winning. They're actually um, first in their conference uh, standings right now and playing really well. So sounds like they have a shot to make the tournament again. And if so, you know, maybe even a chance to upset some people like they did last year. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Especially with Aceman's playing the way he is, averaging twenty three points a game. Um, where did um, the the big forward they had last year? Where did he transfer to? Do you know off the top of your head? The Trey Phipps. No, I know Trey Phipps came in. Um, Trey yeah. Phipps, and mentioning Trey Phipps, um, former Tulsa native, or I guess he still is since he's at ORU now, um, averaging ten points a game. Not bad. Not playing yeah. poorly. Um, but they, they had a forward last year. Um, I can't remember his name. He was the O'Banner. O'Banner. Oh, yeah. Do you have any idea where he transferred to? Oh, was it... mm. Um, I don't remember. Uh, I'll look it up. He is at, oh, he's at Texas Tech. Well, there you go. Did not know that. So, that is, um, a big time move for Kevin O'Banner. That is. I wonder. I'm gonna look him up here. Well, he's averaging almost nine points and five rebounds oh. for a team that just beat Kansas and Baylor back to back. So, um, sounds like he's doing well. Yeah, scored 13 against Baylor. Yeah, Texas Tech's record. Texas Tech. Uh-huh. Um, they are. It's great. Great podcasting. <laughs> oh, hold on. I, I think Going I have through it. I got there it. Go. They're 12 and 3. 12 and 3. Ranked number 19. Cool. They should jump up. About to be 12 and 4. Because they play OSU. <laughs> yeah, play OSU tomorrow. So they're not going to be, we're not going to beat them. But, <laughs> but no, that, that's pretty cool to see Abe Smith um, playing so well this year. Um, I wasn't certain that he would be able to follow up his performance like he did last year in the tournament. I thought he should have went to the draft and just taken what he got. Um, But he's uh, proven me wrong for sure. And it probably helps having another shooter who can just release the ball like Trey Phipps. Trey Phipps has one of the smoothest releases and one of the quickest releases that I've ever seen. Um, He's one of the guys I covered in high school along with those Boone twins and Bryce Thompson. Um, It was always like – the Booker T Tulsa Memorial games were always electric because you had Trey Phipps and Bryce Thompson on one side going against the Boone twins on the other side. And it was just so fun. So uh, fast paced. Um, And now you get to see all of those four guys starring for the, 
in-state schools of OSU and um, ORU. So it's just really cool to see that. That is cool. And I did want to shout out to uh, Kingfisher's own Bijan Cortez playing for OU as a freshman. And he's he's uh, really contributing. So that's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, Cortez was part of that um, Team Griffin team that actually won um, the 16U um, Nike EYB. I don't think it's EYBL. I think it's EYB. Um, but it's basically the EYBL for 16 and under. Um which is a pretty big accomplishment. Like that's nationals. Um, and so he, he's gone against a lot of those, that top talent, those top tier teams um, at those. So he, he's being able to adjust to the college game well because he's played such a high level so far. Um, so, <clears throat> and Bijan is one of those other guys who played at a high level in high school. Um, Kingfisher is just a perennial. I, I don't know if I'd say perennial. They just now became a powerhouse, but they've been a powerhouse for about the last four years. But they reloaded this year. If you guys want to cover a little about high school hoops, they are twelve and zero, and they look dang good this year. So, oh nice. Um, we're not going to get too much into high school <laughs> hoops, but that is how it is going for Kingfisher after Bijan Cortez. And they also had another D1 guy named Matthew Stone who went to North Texas. Um, so that is pretty impressive that they can reload like they did. That is, yeah. And he was a really crucial guy down the stretch in that Iowa State game. Made a lot of big plays and really sparked him. I think he finished with like five assists and uh, had a the highest plus minus on the game with plus 20. So Yeah, and, it, it, and he did all of this being able to – or he played all this – and it wasn't like he like he wasn't scoring the ball, but he was making that big of an impact just playing his game and not trying to do too much, not turning the ball over, all those things. So right. it's pretty cool to see whenever somebody impacts the game because everybody was writing about him after the game, and he only had, what, like four points and five assists, but it's just the way he played. And his presence on the court was such – you could tell it was just at such a high level. Yeah, you can see his impact in every play. And he's everywhere. He's, so he's kind of that guy like uh, – really kind of a guy like Josh Giddy for the Thunder. He's not scoring 20 or 30 points a game, but he's he's just kind of doing everything well. And that's kind of what – on a smaller scale, obviously, but that's kind of what Bijan's been doing. Yeah. It's really cool to see all these OK Preps guys just absolutely tearing it up right now for um, these Division One schools. And honestly, we haven't even mentioned them. There's a guy from uh, that plays for North Texas averaging – last time I checked, he was averaging 23 points a game. Um, I've forgotten his name. But he was from um, a really small town, Muldrow. And um, he was from Muldrow, um, Oklahoma. Muldrow Bulldogs. Yeah. And he's now averaging 23 points a game. And no, and I covered high school basketball. I had no clue who this kid was. Walks on at North Texas and just lights it up. So that was a massive miss for all of us who were covering um, OK Preps at that point. Uh, so, Tyler Perry? Yes. Not, not the Tyler Perry, but Tyler Perry, T-Y-L-O-R. Tyler Perry, he he actually got younger, 
and despite all his movie making, he's now playing basketball. So and he, he he decided to grow up in Muldrow. Yeah. Oh. yeah he, he kind of went backwards a little bit. And so. But <laughs> um, great little OK Prep segment. This might be something we throw in every once in a while just to catch up on how all of um, the former Oklahoma guys are adjusting at the college level. So, yeah. Um, but um, you're telling anyway. me they're not just born into college and just know how to play. They start um, somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, no, they don't. <laughs> um, but any, anything else you guys really want to cover? Not a, we don't have a whole lot of football because season's over, and um, we've done we've covered pretty much a lot of the basketball. Anything else you guys want to hit on? No. Uh, just for the listeners, just so you know, next week we're planning to kind of do a season recap of OU, OSU, and Tulsa football, kind of just recap the season for each team and go over some of the highs and lows and interesting things. And, you know, obviously for OU, it was a weird season. For OSU, it was a basically a dream season almost till it was a nightmare at the end. And then Tulsa, yeah, we'll talk about Tulsa as well. Tulsa did above and beyond what they were expected to do. They yeah, their first half of the season was not great, but then, but then uh, they turned it around. So so we'll kind of, you know, go over all that and uh, yeah, just kind of recap the the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, so uh, be looking forward to that episode, guys. Um, we will do a lot of research, have a lot of um, fun facts for you guys about all of what went down, and obviously it was a pretty boring season. Um, there, there wasn't a whole lot of big game-changing moves that were made or anything. So no. Um, oh, you won but, Bedlam again, as they always do. Yeah. So, uh, so it should be pretty fun next week. Make sure you join us here next week as well. Um, but this is the Oklahoma Sports Bros podcast. Um, I'm Zach Kobler, Ryan Winkle, and Perkins signing off. See ya. We have a logo too. Uh, I think Ryan's saying that because his name's not uh, in our our Twitter bio because it says posted by. Mm. Now Ryan's like, I have a name. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys. See ya. See ya. See ya.